tell me that you went home and swiped a ball that was signed by Babe Ruth, and you brought it out here and actually played with it and actually played with it? Yeah! Are you one of those people that has to know how much the Babe Ruth ball is actually worth? I was going to bring it back, but it was signed by Babe Ruth! Yeah, you keep telling me that. Who is she? We'll keep it right here, because today is your lucky day. The Sultan of Clouds. King of Crash. The Colossus of Clouds. The Colossus of Clouds. It's time for Sports Collecting with Tom Morgan, sponsored by ERC Delivery and Huggins and Scott Auctions. The Great Bambino! Happy Saturday morning. I'm Tom Morgan with Vince Plamenny of ERC Delivery, Bill Huggins of Huggins and Scott Auctions, and our producer Tyler Aki. We're on every Saturday morning from 7 to 8 talking about the sports collectibles world, other, other collectibles besides sports, the Huggins and Scott auction, which is currently running now through August 5th. Lots of items in there uh, right now, including some of the big ones in there. This is an item I was going to include in the which is higher this week, Bill, but it was so high, I thought I'd better just read this one. It didn't fit in with all the other ones the Bob Gibson 1959 Tops rookie card number 514 PSA 8.5 is already up to $5,100. So that one's doing real well. Then yeah, that we, one is doing well. Boy, that that was low last week. So that really took a junk, jump. Jackie Robinson 1948 Leaf rookie number 79 PSA 7 is up to 58000 the Mickey Mantle rookies, there's three different 1952 Tops rookies. Number 311, one PSA 4.5 is at $27,000. One at PSA 2 is at $13,250. And a PSA 1.5 is actually a little higher than that, over 14000 The 1996 Topps Chrome Basketball Unopened Factory Sealed Box is at $8,100. And the Bird Magic Rookie 1980-81 Topps PSA 9 is at $9,100. Now, Bill, Vince isn't uh, joining us this week. He's under the weather. So it's going to be you and me, I guess. Uh, And I I got this... uh, (laughs) You've you've got a story here that that we want to hear the background to it. Mark sent me a direct message to a link that I think the national I don't know if they tweeted it or posted it. It says flashback to the 1984 national where a parking lot race between Mr. Mint and Bill Huggins ended in a torn a torn Achilles. So now, first off, before you tell the story, at that time, if I was there, my money would have been on you, Bill. I'm telling you that right now. So tell well, us the story. I, I of what... spotted him 10 yards. <laughs> and, I, and I just, you know, in 84, gosh, I was 26 years old. Alan's yeah. a little older than that. And, yeah. uh, and as, just as I pulled up next to him, I really didn't know what happened. I just hit the ground and um, I didn't really, I I was reaching back for my ankle and you know how there's that tendon that runs up the back of your ankle and there was just a gap there. Uh, 
So, so you so it was yours that toured her in that. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Oh, so how long were you, you had to have a cast for that one, didn't you? Oh, it was a cast up to your up all uh, you know, past your knee for like six weeks and then below your knee for another four or five uh, weeks. Now it's not that you guys had any money wagered on that, but since you went down with an injury, did he make you pay up? Oh, I don't remember if we had any money wagered on it or not. It was just more of a we we had been out to dinner at a Chinese restaurant, and I guess too many mai tais. Is yeah, I, was, there, I knew there had to have been some sort of uh, imbibement that got <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's a great story. And when and that Nancy guy said I did it on purpose because when we got back from the national, we were moving. And you know, here I am oh. in a cast, and you know, so. so you didn't have to, you didn't have to help with the move. Oh. Uh, that's a great story. When that guy, now that bit wasn't available to the rest of the world. That's a direct message, so I'm the only one who saw it. But I cracked up when I saw it. I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds like something in the '80s I'd have been doing. <laughs> and I wondered. Yeah, oh, there, there were there were probably ten or fifteen people or more. This had to have been midnight or something in the parking lot of the hotel. So. <laughs> oh, that's a great story. Okay. <laughs> well, we will be joined now at 720 by John Bulldog Drummond for Witch End It Higher. Now, is somebody taking the place of Nancy uh, this week, Bill? No, I don't I don't have anybody with me. Uh Okay. Because I'm in Chicago, you know, so. Oh, that's right, at the National. So how's the, I heard the attendance early was, was really big. Yes, there, there's there been a lot of people here. I was I was thinking that they, the fire marshal may, you know, at, at some point reach capacity and have to go, you know, 10 out, 10 in or something. But I that hasn't happened yet, so. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big building, so. Yeah. They must have the whole thing opened up. Sometimes at some of those shows, they just do one floor or whatever. But I imagine they—they're oh, they, only on one floor, yeah. But but it's expanded. It, it, it's, a big, it's a big part of it. Yeah. Well, let's but see. No, here. we've been busy. I bring stuff from House of Cards to sell, and gosh, the first day I had one little group of cards and some guy says well you know what do you want for all of them so that took out that whole showcase and, you know. <laughs> yeah i'm not surprised about that i got contacted by one of my friends from college who has a bunch of memorabilia and it sounded like the the type of thing he's gonna send me a list for sure but he had a Jordan signed jersey that he got at a at one of Jordan's camps, and another like a one one piece that he got Jordan to sign. Sounded like he had a bunch more that maybe would be uh, worthwhile to add to the truck route. If you guys, do you know if you're going to be doing a truck prior to the fall auction this year? Oh, I'm, I'm I'm sure we're going to be doing one. Yes, I don't okay. know exactly when, but I'd be stunned if we don't have at least one run out there. Well, he, he sounds like he's got some good items. Just those two by themselves would be worth sending. But if he has enough where it looks like a truck route, I'll, I'll let your guys know. And we'll yeah, set we had, that uh, one up. Yeah, we had a couple of people come by. One guy, this guy, Ronnie, he uh, he brought me by some really nice Gaudis. Uh, 
one grade, including one roof that could get a oh a five or a six or something like that. It's a a, a nice collection of gowns. Wow, that is. And then nice. I had a another gentleman. I forgot his name. Came by with he, and I think he's listening. He said he listens every Saturday. I forgot his name, um, but he showed me this document. It's signed by Abner Doubleday's son. Wow. And it's from 1938, and it talks about Abner Doubleday in his early days of of of, of coming up with the game of baseball, so to speak, and stuff. And, Wow. But, uh, what a neat item. Yeah, that is cool. I, I so, asked him to call in. He said he was too shy to call in. Yeah, you know, I get a lot of people like that, that they come in and they're like, well, uh, you know, I, I'll try to call in. Or, and I can tell that they, you know, sometimes not everyone is a ham like us and just talks <laughs> with no problem right. on the radio. <laughs> a lot of people are shy about it. You know, speaking of Gowdy's, Vince is getting a bonus point from last week because I decided. Uh, in order f- from last week's thing, because it was it was a witch is higher, I thought, okay, this morning from last week's witch is higher, if something has gone higher that somebody picked last week, then they get a bonus point. And the highest thing right now is the Lou Gehrig 1933 Gaudi number 160 PSA 2. It's at $1,800. And the closest other item is a thousand for the Brooks Robinson uh, PSA eight rookie. So I'm giving Vince a bonus point. There <laughs> you go. Executive privilege. Vince is under the weather. Let's give him a bonus. <laughs> uh, is, is he? Uh, you say he, he he's not feeling well. I guess he's maybe not coming to the show. I haven't seen him. Oh no, he it sounded like he was he didn't know if it was bad allergies or what, but he was all congested oh. and stuff. So yeah, he was uh he said he it, he wasn't even going to call onto the show because he thought he'd be like hacking and stuff and didn't want to that wouldn't sound good during the show. So, Vince, if you're listening, you just got a point. <laughs> now, Bill, if you want to take Nancy's place today, you're you're welcome to to uh because, you know, it's like, which is higher? It could be anything. It's really more luck than anything, more than ever. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess yeah. I'll sure, why not? You know. Now, I also got uh, an email. This was kind of interesting. I don't think it's anything he wants to auction, but this is another regular listener. Brian B. emailed me photos. He got a Tony LaRusa signed, unscored scorecard from the game where he became the second all-time in managerial wins he's going to get uh his print at home ticket also signed and then frame those two pieces with some of the photos he took from that game so i thought that's a that's a neat way to display stuff like that and then he's also got a game used baseball that's a mlb hologram on it from the game that joe west broke the record for games umpired total games umpired and he wants to get that signed and display it with photos and the scorecard etc from the game get as much of that signed and now for somebody who's looking that's a those aren't necessarily great auction items but for displays in your house to keep historical items like that 
those are the type of things might not be all that much value right now, but years from now, I mean, those are, that's pretty big items. Great idea to get it done. And, and there's a video of LaRusa yelling at the Indians catcher last night, the Indians pitcher, Abreu had gotten hit earlier in the game and he got hit in the ear flap last night and LaRusa went out, you know, kind of in his way of jogging <laughs> at whatever his age, 76 or whatever, he jogs out there to see how Abreu's doing. And I guess the catcher was looking to see and LaRusa like backs him off and then they started jawing with each other. So if I don't know if how LaRusa's still feisty, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, I'll so, tell you, Tom, those, uh, those things like that there, I call them like moments in time or something. Yeah. And those things are very, very popular. We've had quite a number of different things like that from, gosh, all types of sports and things like that. For uh, I think we have a, I don't know if it was in this auction or in the last auction, the something about from Iwo Jima raising the flag that day. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know. one I sent through with uh... – where that poster with the Iwo Jima and then he had 22 stamps signed. That's kind of cool. Yeah. That, that was a cool item in the backstory of that, where that guy was there for the first flag raising and it was a smaller flag. So then they decided for the media, they wanted the guys to hold up a bigger flag to make for a better picture. And the guy that was in the one we sent along, got omitted from that one, even though he was there. So it's kind of a sad story, but kind of a cool story. And those have, that lot has some pretty good bids on it. Yeah, that, that was oh, kind okay. of neat. And with that backstory, I don't know, in, in, in my mind, that almost makes it a, you want it even more for that. So you can go to HugginsAndScott.com and search any of this type stuff. There's unopened boxes in there that are, any old good unopened packs are doing really well right now in this marketplace. A 1980 Tops baseball unopened 36 pack wax box, BBCE wrap that has a chance for a Ricky Henderson rookie. That's at twenty four hundred dollars. There's a 1996 Tops finest basketball, a two box set, series one box and a series two unopened factory sealed box pair that's at 1700 that's the year that has kobe rookies and iverson rookies and all those guys it was a really good rookie class and then this is kind of interesting 1975 tops baseball unopened rack pack pair both of them have robin yount rookies showing on the back so that that's kind of neat now Speaking of 1975 tops, this was a this was a, an unbelievable story that I actually believe. A guy was in from Las Vegas, stopped in T Crown, and we were talking. And it turns out he knows George Brett pretty well. He's golfed with them. I guess I don't know if he's been at, at the, if this guy is part of a casino or something. But I swear he said he's been, since he got to meet him and golfed with him and all that, and he's a real good guy, he's like, he started collecting them. He was asking if I had any 75 Tops rookies. I swear to God he said he had 5,000 
George Brett, 1975 Tops rookies. It's like, don't ever put those out in the marketplace all at once. I'll tell you that. But he said they've been going up. He's kind of slowing down buying them. Do you, have you ever heard of anybody with that many rookies from that era? Of a, of Man, a not that many. Yeah. <laughs> I swear he said 5,000, and I believed him after he was talking more about some of the things that he and his friends have been buying and doing. I thought, I think, he, you know, maybe he said 500. I swear he said 5,000. <laughs> so that's something. He's probably at the National right now, if you see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. Huh. Now, so you guys are there till tomorrow. You're through tomorrow at the National in Rosemont? Yep, yep. We're here till Sunday, um, although Sunday's more of a pack-up day, really. Um, yeah, but we, we are accepting consignments and all through tomorrow. Do you have a good amount of things on display there as far as... Oh, we got seven showcases full of stuff, yeah. That most that are in the auction. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that's pretty neat. So have you had some people sign up, go by, how do I How do I get this? And, and well, a lot up. of them come by, you know, and they want to know how much is this, and we tell them it's in the auction, and it's currently at Six hundred dollars. You want to be six fifty, and they go, "How do I do that?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. Boy, it was it was quite the trade deadline for Chicago and for Washington. I have both Trey Turner and Max Scherzer on my fantasy team, and they are now oh, wow. Dodgers. Yeah. It's like I think that might end up helping their their fantasy output. It, I don't think it'll hurt. It's got to be with Scherzer, you know, having a better lineup behind him. I think maybe he'll get some more wins, you would think, if he can stay healthy. And then the Chicago teams, boy, the Cubs really did do – they blew it up. They they did the TNT. They traded Rizzo to the Yankees. They traded Baez to the Mets, Bryant to the Giants. Bryant to the Giants, they got a number nine and a number 30 prospect from the Giants to me. I don't know. I guess they're just unloading salary for anything, but I would have kept them for rather than giving them up for that. And then they traded two deals with relief pitchers to the White Sox, including Kimbrell. The only one where the Cubs got current major league players was from the White Sox in the Kimbrell deal. They got Nick Madrigal, who's out for the year with an injury, but a speedy second baseman. And then they got... Uh, who else did they go? Oh, they got one Cody Hoyer, one of the White Sox young relief pitchers. So the Sox got a second baseman switch hitter from Cleveland with pop. That's going to help their lineup and two guys for the bullpen. The White Sox are legitimate world series contenders. I mean, that, that was kind of their weaknesses. And if they can hit at all, their pitching is really deep. I think they're a legitimate serious contender for the world series. Now I think, I saw something on TV yesterday that they have their number three in the odds to win it all now. So, oh, really? Yeah. 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 So that should be an exciting fall watching and seeing how that goes. But I think they've got a shot. Anytime you've got the arms that they've got in both starters and the bullpen in these short series, nobody's going to want to play them. They've got great arms top to bottom it's really incredible the depth that they've put together 
Well, it's already time for a short break here now. After the break, we'll be joined by John Bulldog Drummond for his uh, time machine going back in time, telling us a couple of stories. And then this week's episode of Which Ended Higher. So hang in there. We'll be right back. Now back to Sports Collecting with Tom Morgan. Sponsored by ERCDelivery.com and Huggins and Scott Auctions on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back. I'm Tom Morgan with Vince Clemeni of ERC Delivery, Bill Huggins of Huggins and Scott Auctions, and our producer, Tyler Aki. We're on every Saturday morning from 7 to 8 talking about the collectibles market. And we're going to be joined now by the Chicago Journalism Hall of Famer, John Bulldog Drummond, who joins us for a trip back in his time machine, and then he'll join us for which ended higher. John Drummond, you have a story for us this you week. You bet I do. It will be a time machine deal, but a lot of the fans, <laughs> particularly Chicagoans, remember back in 216, the Cubs, of course, got uh, the Chapman, the receiver, the, uh, the short end relief pitcher from the Yankees, and that made a difference in the World Series. And before that, who can forget in 1984 when they picked up Rick Sutcliffe, who had a fantastic oh, yeah. season with him. He came from Cleveland, I believe. But the biggest game changer they ever really had that made the biggest difference, in my opinion, was not either of those two gentlemen, but a guy by the name of Hank Barrowe. I have to go back to the World War II era, 1945. That was the last time, by the way, the Cubs won a pennant until 216. And uh, Barrowe was uh, a pitcher with the Yankees and doing well, but they put him up on waivers. Why, I don't know, in late July, they just wanted to get the feel of the market. And uh, the other Yankee American League teams saw him up there, and they said, well, that's why make a bid for him? They'll pull him back, which they did. But then he, but the, a couple of National League teams said, hey, wait a minute. Let's make a flyer for this guy. And the Cubs got Hank Barrowe. That made the difference. Came in late July. They worked him to the bone. He won 11 games and lost only two with an ERA wow. of 214. That's pretty darn good. And they also got him because they know he was known as a tiger beater. In other words, he could beat the Detroit Tigers, who obviously looked as though they were going to be the American League champions that year. And lo and behold, they started Barrowe in the first game. He shut him out, 9 to nothing. Wow. They, they used him. And then he pitched the second time, won a game. But in the third and final game, they went to seven games. Burroughy lost that one to the Tigers, so they got their mileage out of Hank Burroughy, and after that, he was never the same. I think they burned out his arm because the Yankees <laughs> were doing that as well. But yeah. that one year was a real game-changer. Hank Burroughy came over from the Yankees in a waiver deal and led the Cubs to that 1945 pennant. No ifs and buts with a record of 11-2 and two and a 214 ERA. But if you look at that that series, well, I looked and noticed that the other day, the times of the games in the 1945 World Series, you can say, wait a minute, well, that was different. Baseball has not changed much, folks, other than the designated hitter rule and the so-called shift that they're using. And by the way, the shift is not new. Lou Boudreau started that against Ted Williams back right after the war. So you look at the times of the World Series. I remember, you know, you say, well, there was no commercials. <laughs> Baloney. The commercials on radio are just as heavy as they are on television. Only then you had Chesterfield cigarettes, Lucky Strike, uh, Old Gold, Paul Mall, uh, Gillette razor blades, and so on, General Mills for Wheaties, and so on down the line. So he had as many commercials. That's not an issue. But you did not have a plethora of relief pitchers like they have today. And you don't have, of course, uh, uh, the times of these guys on the mound or, the, or in the batting box taking all day. Look at the way the guys pitchers. 
about how, how much time it takes. And the batter goes out of the box. He looks up at the sky for divine intervention, takes a couple of swings, and then scratches his groin and then adjusts his batting gloves three or four times, takes another swing, and then goes back in the, in the batter's box. I've seen games in person when I watched it. 45 seconds before the pitcher throws that ball. What he's doing on the mound in that pace, I don't know. And then on top of it, when they do have a change of pitchers, the manager or the pitching coach will come out like he is, uh, well, he's got hemorrhoids on him. He can hardly move. I remember Don Cooper. But the idea, of course, is stalling. What they're doing, Don Cooper would walk out to the mound like it's some, it looked like he should be in a nursing home, for God's sake. And, but Manfred never said, that's always a point, too. They, those guys move slow. And Cooper, a great relief uh, coach, pitcher coach, but uh, he took his time getting out there. And that, has, that has may not affect people going to the games. People, it's still fun at the, foot, at the, at the baseball game. A lot of action, peeping around, milling around is fun. But it does hurt. It's going to hurt on television revenue, and that's one of the, that's the real bread and basket, bread and butter of the whole baseball. For example, uh, my I was over at my son's house the other day, and he had his two kids were uh, a junior high age, and two others came over, and I said, "You're going to watch the baseball game?" And no, no, that's too boring. That's because yeah. it's, they wanted to watch soccer instead. And I hope that trend I hope that trend doesn't continue, but I think that's a real cause for harm. I think the speed of that game is an issue that has to be addressed. They're trying to address it now, but I don't think they're doing it doing it right. And they've got to cut back on those times. There's no question about it. Remember the, when? And by the way, I mentioned those times. Did I mention the times in that series? I'll give you an example. That 1945 series, the seven-game series. Here are the times: two ten, one forty-eight, one fifty-five. 210, 218, oh, 328, but it was 12 innings, and uh-huh. 239. And right, yeah. the other one's right around there, the 42 series, Yanks and the Cards, 235, 157, 230, 228, 158. That was a five-game series. That was typical of a World Series in that era. And that meant it was, everything was on the marble, so they were taking their time, and, and yet they could play under, three, under two hours, and always under three hours, for God's sake. That's something to bear in mind the way this game has changed as far as time is concerned. About an hour more than it used to be. Remember when Mike Hargrove was a human rain delay? That's, that's right. Yes, he was. Now that's it's right. like every team has like eight human rain delays. I, the Part of it is the batting gloves. They're always stepping out and adjusting those gloves after every pitch. I, yeah, yeah. But I agree with you. And I think they understand that too from from – the upper management of MLB, they're trying to figure out how to speed it up and and doing their best to do it. Because I think you're right, especially in the the way things are now, the younger people don't want to spend that much time with something like that typically. So that's something they're going to have to deal with and figure out. Probably if they were just starting the game now, they might just, the seven inning game might be something that's what they would have. Well, don't laugh. I mean? And, of course, they did that during the COVID year. That set the second half of the yeah. doubleheader was seven innings. That rule's still yeah. in effect. But I recall when I was uh, up in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, the Northern League, always the second game of a doubleheader was seven innings. And I remember we had this friend of ours from Chicago came up. Well, that's Bush. They'd never do that in the majors. Well, And he also said they'd never have playoffs. That's Bush stuff, too. Whoever wins <laughs> the regular season wins the pennant. That's it. Times have changed, folks. I'm sorry. Not necessarily yeah. for the better. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. I think, you know, the fact that nine innings, you get at least three at-bats from every position in the lineup just works out so well. But uh, I like the seven-inning games other than that myself. I think it's uh, – I, I could live with that if that's what it was. I don't – I think after this year, they're not even doing it for doubleheaders anymore. But I No, think they're not. Of, it's this year, this will be it. At yeah. least they claim they're going back to nine-inning doubleheaders, so to speak, right? I think a lot of people like it, actually. So, anyway – 
It's time for this week's episode of Which Is Higher. John Drummond, did you hear that uh, Vince got a bonus point from last week? And not only that, he's, you, so many people are missing and the missing the missing persons today. So, gosh, yeah. so many people, two people are AWOL. So Vince, yeah. Uh, so and I Bill's going to have a field day. I have like uh, like six items here. Too, we ought to get so. bonus points for just showing up. I think that's the right way. Let's <laughs> let's give each one of you pick a number between. One and six, and we'll take out three items. So if everybody does one of the items, someone has to win. (laughs) Okay, so John Drummond, pick a number between one and six, and we'll get rid of that item. Okay, let's go with number four today. Number four is a Babe Ruth 1933 Gaudi card. Now, of the Babe Ruths that I sent in, this was card number 53 in a PSA 1. This was the lowest graded, and it was in pretty rough condition. I mean, it was like, it looked like it was in somebody's pocket for quite a while, and that's at $1,700. So that one will be out. Tyler, which number between one through six do you want to take out? I will take out number six. Number six, Lou Alcindor, 1969-70, Tops Rookie, number 25, PSA 6, is at $2,000. We'll take that one out. And Bill Huggins, pick number one, two, three, or five to take out. Number one. Number one. This one I sent in. Wilt Chamberlain, 1961-62 Fleer rookie. Number eight, PSA four is at $2,300. I sent in for this uh, a listener. He had all his 1961 Fleer basketball cards and we sent in the whole group i think i'll tell you what i think that's one of the things that's in this auction if you want to get some 1961 fleer basketball cards there's some nice ones in there and they're not doing that great with the bidding early now a lot of those guys wait till the end but check it out there could be some deals there guys like oscar robertson's rookie jerry west rookie uh, the Wilt rookie, Elgin Baylor. There's some great rookie cards in that set, so check it out. Okay, now here's the items that we're doing, and the order will be, we'll do John Drummond, then Tyler, then Bill Huggins with the guesses. First item, Michael Jordan, Mr. June, signed Bulls jersey, numbered 129 of 423, in a frame, upper deck authenticated. Second item, Wayne Gretzky, 1979 Tops, rookie card number 18. There's, it's a PSA 8. There's two different PSA 8s in this auction. This is item number 1788, so you know which one I'm using afterwards that I'm giving the price for that one. And then the third item, another hockey card. Gordy Howe, 1951-52 Parkhurst rookie number 66, PSA 2.5. So John Drummond, out of those three items, and they're all over the 2,000 that the Lou Alcindor was and was at. So which one of those three do you think it is, Jim? Well, last time you fooled everybody, and Gretzky, I know, won the thing last time. I recall it was here, and uh, now you got two of two the three hockey guys. I was going to go with Gretzky, but I tell you, when mentioned Gordie Howe, 
the former Red Wings star. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm taking a flyer. I'm going to probably get skunked again, but I'm going okay. with Gordy Howe. John Drummond's going with the Gordy Howe. He was supposedly, I don't know, you must have watched him play quite a bit. I guess in addition to a scorer, he was tough behind the net. Huh? He was, and he, 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 his longevity was incredible. Yeah, it really was. Okay, Tyler, which one is your pick? I will go with the Gretzky here. Tyler's going with. Uh, oh, John's losing confidence in his pick. I'm happy John shied away from it, so I'm, well, not, everybody's I'm not playing with fire. If it's Gretzky this week. again, I think this thing is rigged. That'll be two weeks in a row he's won the thing. <laughs> and Bill Huggins, which one are you going with? I'll pick the one that they didn't pick. Okay, Bill Huggins goes with the Mr. Sure. June Michael Jordan signed item. And here they are in reverse order of the three that are left. The lowest bidding right now is the MJ Mr. June signed Bulls jersey. Number 129 of 423 in a frame, upper deck authenticated. It's at $2,200. It's doing well, and there's room to move on that one. The second best item. Wayne Gretzky, 1979 Tops rookie card number 18, item number 1788, PSA 8, $2,600. That means John Drummond and his Gordie Howe are the winners. The Gordie Howe rookie is at $2,900. Well, that shows this is legitimate. That's a good Okay, about time. <laughs> so John Drummond's up to four. The unbeatable Nancy Huggins stays at eight. Uh, Tyler's at three, and Vince moved up to four also with his bonus point. So that that was an exciting episode of which which is higher. By now, the way, John if I Drummond, could just be Budinsky one second, we yeah. mentioned Hank Barowie. There's a hero in 1945. Is, is there such an animal as a Hank Barowie card or anything like that? I wonder if oh, Bill yeah. can tell us that. Yeah, for sure there is. And we'll, we'll have to look up and see what some of this stuff that's goes worth, yeah. for. Yeah. Now, here's something I want to get in beforehand. And, John Drummond, if you want to stay, since Vince isn't here, if you want to stay till the end, you can. But I wanted to give an update on our Chicago picks from before the season. Every every Cub that we picked has been been traded. traded. (laughs) So I I had talked to John Drummond about this earlier in the week. I had decided earlier in the week, even before the trades, that no matter what, we're going to use the players that we picked, their home run total, no matter what team it's for. So, for instance, I picked Baez 35, Bill picked Baez 33. We're going to use his total. Rizzo 32 was Vince's, Rizzo 34 was John Drummond's. By the way, you got to count. Rizzo got a home run last night. So It'll count. Whatever they end up with their season total. Jack, uh, Tyler with Jack Peterson 36. Tyler Jack's going to have to go on quite the spree, but he's done it before. Now, the only one that doesn't have a chance on this is me in the White Sox because I picked Luis Robert. (laughs) So that's not going to happen unless he comes back in a month and a half and hits like 40 homers. But now the White Sox picked up Cesar Hernandez, the second baseman. He's got 18 homers. So he's tied with Abreu, who everybody else picked. If Caesar ends up with more than Abreu, sorry, guys, but Caesar's going to win it based on uh, these rules. <laughs> then then for the White Sox and Cubs, I picked 88 White Sox, Tyler 86, John 90, Vince 88, and Bill Huggins 90. 
for the Cubs, I picked 81, Tyler 83, John Drummond 82, Vince 77, and Bill Huggins 75. So we'll see what happens with those guys. Looks like Cubs might be going more for contact and speed rather than power and swing and miss and strike out a lot with some of their pickups. So we'll see in the future how that helps them or hurts them. But it's time for a short break now. The number, if you do want to call, if you have an item that you think might be an interesting item or maybe valuable, call us at 312-332-3776. We're on till late and hang in there. We'll be right back. Now back to Sports Collecting with Tom Morgan. Sponsored by ERCDelivery.com and Huggins and Scott Auctions on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back. I'm Tom Morgan with Vince Clemeni of ERC Delivery, Bill Huggins of Huggins and Scott Auctions, and our producer Tyler Aki. Vince Clemeni is under the weather this week, isn't able to join us. John Drummond, did you stay with us? We're live and we're live and kicking right here. All right, very good. You know, John, I talking. Did you hear us when we were talking about uh, Bill Huggins' parking lot race at the 1984 National against Mr. Mint? <laughs> and he yeah. had Achilles problem. He said, on the yes. I heard that. Now, my question Hit to you deck. is: Did you ever have something like that? Bulldog Drummond had to have had a similar type thing on the golf course, or whatever, where it's like I could hit it further than you or whatever. Yeah, You have a story like that that you would like to share? I have it right off. Why not take it? Can I take a rain check? I'm trying to think, put it in my pipe. Like Eisenhower <laughs> yes. said one time, give okay. me a week and I'll tell you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Next week, we have a good long story about this one. I had one, I, I had in the 80s, I had broken my ankle playing basketball and we had a softball team with practice just starting up. So I had one of those casts that had a thing on it where it was a walking cast on my foot. And I was like hitting grounders for, for the softball team practice and stuff. And we had this large guy on our team who had uh, a large mouth to go with it. And he was giving me a hard time about something. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, I bet I could beat you running from home to first base with my walking cast on because he was like the slowest guy in the world. And then uh, so that was what that was what I did on a similar type thing, Bill. But I already had the cast on. <laughs> Poor Bill Huggins had the cast after his his adventure. <laughs> Oh, uh, Bill Huggins, did they have to bring an ambulance for that? Or what did you do at that one? Actually, Tom, I drove home. I was, really we were did. Nancy's, we, we were staying at Nancy's parents' house, and I really didn't know what I had done. Um, but I drove home and then went to sleep and got up the next day, and Nancy and her mother took me to the doctor, and he said, stand on one foot, and can you do a toe up and brain send message to foot foot send message back? No can do. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, well, then wait a week. I'll give you time. If you got time, I, oh, yeah. I do, okay. it just dawned on me a pretty good story <laughs> okay. involving me. I, this was back in Rockford playing the uh, a golf course. Sandy hollow was the name of the course. And I played periodically with this guy. He got, he had a hot temper. Oh, he wanted to play for a little on the side and he was having a bad day. And this actually happened. I think it was on the one of what hole it was. I don't recall, but they had a pond, a big pond, almost a little lake out there. He got so angry 
so angry. He did. Instead of breaking his clubs, he took the bag, threw every club he had into the lake. <laughs> the whole thing. I'm serious. He threw that and stormed off the course. Oh, that's pretty hard to beat that one. You know, speaking of that, don't ever throw clubs or no. hit anything with a club. Listen to this story. When I was in college, I stayed for senior week so we could uh, party with you know some of the seniors. I, I think I was a junior probably at the time and golf and stuff like that during the week. So we're golfing. And this one guy that was a senior was golfing great. I mean, he was like probably right around an even par through maybe 10, 11 holes. And he missed a short putt on a hole. I had already started walking towards the next tee box. And all of a sudden I hear, ooh, like, and it's like, what the heck was that? And the, what it turned out he had done, he was mad because he missed the putt when he came uh, to the ball washer he slammed the putter against the ball washer the the putter snapped oh, snap, and sure. it broke and actually cut an artery in his arm above Ooh. his elbow Ooh. and I, I when i looked at it it looked like like the putter head was in his arm and it's swollen up and luckily one of the guys in our group knew well enough to put a tourniquet between his heart and where the wow. uh, the blood was coming out like in spurts, like literally spraying out in spurts. And he knew to put a tourniquet between the heart and where the cut was. And we drove the golf cart, got into a car, went right to the hospital. So I'm the first guy going into the emergency room. And I'm not good with blood. You know what I mean? So I walk in. I'm sure I had blood all over me and I was probably pale as a ghost in there. And the nurse is like, oh, my God, what happened to you? I go, it's not me. It's this guy. <laughs> and he, they said it, there was a possibility if, if uh, Mike, the guy who said to do the tourniquet, if he didn't, hadn't done that tourniquet, he might, might, uh, that Tom might have lost his arm on that oh, just from being mad and hitting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I've heard of things where people went to whip a club and it snapped around. So don't you get you can't do stuff like that on as much as you want to on a golf course you you just can't do it. It's really those clubs snap pretty easily. That was the most unbelievable thing though how fast that developed into a huge lump and the and the way the blood was squirting out of there. There was so a guy that, though, that actually made a his living in a way because of his temper called Tommy Bolt. He actually won the oh, U.S. Open yeah. one time. They called him Terrible Tommy, and he did have a temper. But he soon bonded with people watch him and see him throw a club or break a club mostly. And uh, he'd get under uh, the USGA would be on him his rear end on that for doing it. But he still did it. And he realized somebody a promoter said to this guy, he had to say, hey, the public relations, team, hey, this is a gimmick. People would come out to watch him play to hope he'd blow his stack and smash him clubs. And that's what he did. I think some of his rage attacks were phony because he didn't. He knew that's what people wanted to see. <laughs> yeah, they wanted to see the maniac. On that's the why they court. got that right. Terrible Tommy <laughs> Bolden. That was one of the reasons they saw him. a lot of people wanted to watch him on the end they play. Rob E. just tweeted me a picture. It looks like a Tony La Russa baseball. It's autographed circa 1985. It actually looks like a game-used baseball, but back at that time, they didn't have the MLB holograms on it. It's hard to prove game-worn from or game-used from that era on a ball, isn't it, Bill? Well, I guess I... 
Yeah, no, believe. yeah, no, it, you're uh, right, but they didn't, they don't have the holograms back yeah. then. It is. I mean, it's um, rubbed up and and so forth. So I mean, it looks like. But if nothing else, it's a a nice Tony Larusa '80s signed baseball, which would probably be over a hundred dollars, I would think, at this time. The fact that he's moved up that managerial win list is. Help the value of him. He sure wouldn't be valuable because of his baseball playing career, but no. <laughs> quite the managerial career. And you guys are going to look up Hank Barowi to see what I was worth. Hank Barowi, yes, for sure. I want to see what his most valuable thing is that I can find, and we'll have that next week. You probably say there is no such guy, but I'm not <laughs> yeah. there was. no, I know exactly. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I, I didn't know that's how it was pronounced. I thought it was. Bowery or whatever. Maybe you're right on that. You may, you might oh, be right on that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I never knew how it was pronounced. Now, don't forget the this week the bidding ends on the Huggins and Scott auctions. You can go to HugginsandScott.com. Bidding ends Thursday, August fifth. On TCrownTom.com, there's links to items that uh, I sent in for listeners and other. Uh, customers to the auction a great list of items if you click on any of those pictures on the Huggins and Scott page on tcrowntom.com it takes you right to the auction page for those items some really cool stuff and then uh, I'm already going to be starting to take stuff in at for the October what, what do you figure, Bill? The October, late October, early November will probably be one of the actually, next Actually, probably going to start the Friday after Thanksgiving and end the second Thursday in December. Oh, it's a, a, a later one then. Okay. Very good. And then, so check out HugginsAndScott.com. John Drummond, thanks for joining us again. Another Pleasure great as usual. Job this week. It was fun. Tyler, great job by you. Tyler Aki, our producer. Thanks for listening, everybody, and have a great week. We'll be back next Saturday.